Let's open our Bible this morning to Hosea 14. Let's begin reading. I know we've looked over this before, but let's go back and begin reading in verse 1. O Israel, return unto the Lord thy God, for thou hast fallen by thine iniquity. The Lord is speaking to his people. Return unto the Lord. Take with you words and turn to the Lord. And say to him, take away all iniquity and receive us graciously. So will we render the calves of our lips or the praise of our lips. Asher shall not save us. We once trusted in those things, and if it's God doesn't spare us, we will still look to the things of the world. We will not ride upon horses. We will not trust in our strength or anyone else's strength. Neither will we say any more to the work of our hands, ye are our gods, for in thee the fatherless, fatherless findeth mercy. I will heal their backsliding. He didn't say I might. I will. I love the I wills in the scripture. When the Lord says I will heal their backslidings. I will love them freely. For mine anger is turned away from him. Verse 5, I will be as the dew unto Israel, and he shall grow up as the lily and cast forth his root as Lebanon. His branches shall spread, and his beauty shall be as the olive tree, and it shall smell as Lebanon. They that dwell under his shadow shall return. They shall revive as the corn and grow as the vine. The scent thereof shall be as the wine of Lebanon. Ephraim shall say, What have I to do any more with idols? I have heard him and observed him. I am like a green fir tree, from me is thy fruit found. Who is wise, and he shall understand these things, prudent, and he shall know them. For the ways of the Lord, they are right, and the just shall walk in them in his ways, but the transgressors shall fall therein. I know we looked at verse 4 last week, but I want to look at that again today. I I was going to look at verses 5 through 7, but Lord willing, We'll try to look at that next week. These words, I mean, this this verse, it's just, I put down this verse is just dripping with grace. You know, I will heal their backsliding. What? That's wonderful news for a backslider. I will heal them. I will, I will love them freely. That's only God can love us is freely. And he's just reminding us this is what he does for his people. Don't ever forget that God loves his people. He chose his son and gave him son, his son, to give his life to save those for whom he loves. What can separate us from the love of Christ? Nothing. Nothing can separate us. 
You mean no matter what Israel did? No, nothing. It didn't matter. I mean, it did matter. They were accountable for what they did, but it did not alter God's love for those people. He heals his people. He heals their backslidings, our backslidings, because he loves us freely. And someone pointed out last week that many times, and I really couldn't get it off my mind, that even the healing is painful. We don't think about that part of it. We, a lot of times we think that it's instantaneous, and maybe sometimes it is, but the majority of the time it's not. It's, it is a process. It is part of the healing, the pain is. It takes time. I remember it's been several years, probably three or four years now, since I had my knee surgery. Yeah, that was the easy part, the surgery was. Yeah, they, they, they give me enough numbing, I didn't feel anything. And they come in, and, you know, just in a little while, I, if I had surgery that morning, they came in that evening, y'all that work in the medical field know, and they would get me out of bed and want me to bend my knee. Yeah, I can do anything you ask me to do because I can't feel a thing. It's numbed up. But that was like sake on Thursday. Well, then I went home that evening. Well, the next day, the numbing's gone out. Now, just to even move it the least bit, it, it will just about kill you. Remember the first time I went to the uh, rehab physical therapy? That lady, because they want your knee to bend at least 90%, 90 degrees. She tried to bend it. I thought I was coming off of that bed. I was begging to her. I said, I said, don't do I said, we can't be doing that. I can't stand it. And when I went back, but see, that was part of the healing process. The surgery's over, but the knee's got to heal. It was blue and black, and that was part of the healing. But man, was it painful. And then when I went back to see the doctor in a couple of weeks, they, they measure your knee to make sure you're at 90 degrees. And they said, well, if you're not, we can take you back over here to the hospital and take you in back there in, the, in surgery so we can straighten it. You know why? It motivated me. <laughs> but, you know, I would, you know, you know, nobody likes pain. But part of that was part of the healing process. It, it was painful. Painful. The reason I needed the surgery was because it was basically out of joint and it needed to be fixed. There was no cartilage there. There was nothing. So we, we got to fix it. Okay. Well, that sounds good. Okay. We'll do the surgery and now take care of it. No, that wasn't the end of it. It's probably six weeks of physical therapy. <clears throat> it's a lot better now, a lot better. But what, I just use that as an illustration, that it, but it took time, and God heals us. And sometimes it takes time. It takes time. David experienced this. You can call whatever David did. You can call it backsliding, whatever. He sinned deliberately. He sinned. And the Lord sent him Nathan, which pointed out his, his sin. But the Lord said, I put away your sin. I've loved you freely, and you won't die. But there was things he had to suffer for the healing to come about. Bathsheba's son, his son, died. That's part of the healing. He said, the sword will never leave your house. 
That's part of the healing. You say, how can that be part of the healing? That's part of it. That's part of it. Now, we know God doesn't punish us for our sins. He punished Christ for our sins. But you, it's said here, and even in the book of Hosea, you reap, we reap, you sow to the wind, you reap what? The whirlwind. How did I have trouble with my knee? It was, I, didn't, I was not born with it. It was something that happened years back. I was on a tractor one day, and it was the steering broke, and I was going off a hill, and I ain't about to ride this tractor off this hill without any steering on. And my right leg always thought was my bad knee. <clears throat> so when I jumped off the tractor this way, for I knew in my mind, don't land on my right leg. You land on your left leg. Well, when I did, that's what I did. My knee, it turned sideways. But what I'm getting at, there was something that happened. It was back there, but it showed itself here. There was some, a lot of things happened before David met up with Bathsheba. But God healed the backsliding. David said, make me to hear joy and gladness, Psalms 51. <clears throat> this is the psalm most believed that he wrote after that God sent Nathan to him. Make me to hear joy and gladness. It makes me think that he hadn't heard joy or gladness. That the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Like I said, the initial breaking of the bone may hurt. And the actual healing at times may be painful. He said, the bones that you have broken. He's not talking about literal bones. He's talking about his, his standing in Christ. Then he says in verse 12 of Psalm 51, Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. And uphold me by thy free spirit that I may teach transgressors thy ways, and sinners shall be converted unto thee. Could David tell you anything about the grace of God? He could. Could David tell you what it was like to backslide? He could. Could he tell you what it was like to have spiritual broken bones? Yes. And he knew about God's mercy. And he knew where mercy was to be found. He sought the Lord, and the Lord forgave him. I don't know if I can say this. He was better off for it. We read the book of Psalms and we go. Because most of the time we think no one's ever went through the things or faced the things that we face. David did. And he wrote, he wrote from experience those things. He knew the pain. If you've ever experienced pain, like when you hurt your knee, you know what it's like. Or when you had your heart surgery, you know what that's like. You know, the, it wasn't just the surgery. It was after the surgery. You just didn't get up and say, well, I think I'll just go back to work on Monday. No, they was, it was painful. I could probably think when you woke up and the numbing was on, what in the world have they done? But the surgery had to be done. <clears throat> Here's what David said. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation, the joy of God's salvation. Uphold me by thy free spirit, 
by nature, we're spiritually weak. Our, our, our joints are weak. Our, our limbs are weak. Then will I teach transgressors thy ways, and sinners shall be converted or restored unto thee. Let me tell you what Mr. John Gill said. He said that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. He said, I mean, Jeff's talked about this a little bit last Sunday. You don't see many writers, whether it's Pink or any of the Puritans or any Spurgeon, you don't hear many of them even mention, ever mention the word backsliding. I thought it was ironic that Mr. Gill did. If any man be, he said, uh, a backsliding believer is not only like a bone out of joint. Then he quoted Galatians 6, 1, Brethren, if any man be overtaken in a fault, in a fall, you which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. If any man be overtaken in a fault, he has a, he has a bone that's out of joint. And he's fallen. You, we all fall. If any man be overtaken in a fault, we have a lot of faults. We have a lot of besetting sins that were easily overtaken by these things. Restore such a one in the spirit of meekness. Restore the one that's taken in a fall. Now the picture here is like the setting of a bone that is broken and out of joint. The setting of the joint must be done with great care and tenderness. If your arm was out of joint, would you want just anybody setting it? I wouldn't. I'd say David said now, if he met somebody that had sinned, he'd say, brother, I know where you've been. Restore such one what in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. The setting of the arm. <clears throat> i never forget when uh, two or three years ago I cut my thumb and uh, we had to go to the emergency room and it was kind of funny. Uh, we went back there and the, the man, he, he, was just, he was a very nice doctor, said he'd, he'd worked in the military, he had seen a lot of different things. You know, he was just talking to me, I kept my mind off of it. And he said, now what we're going to do, we're going to have to stitch this up, but I've got to numb it first. Well, you know, there's no numbing in there before you numb it. And he put that needle in there. When he did, you want know an idiot? He said, Mama, 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 he's trying to kill me. <laughs> you know, and I never forgot it, but he did that to get my mind off of it. You know what he's doing? He'd done that before. And by the time he got through crying, Mama, 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 he was already done. But I'll never forget it. He was the nicest guy. He because you know he it wasn't his first rodeo. But the setting of a joint or anything like that is done with great care and tenderness. He said, "Believers who fall into sin are like broken and dislocated bones. They are out of their place. They lose both their comfort and their usefulness." and are to be restored by gently telling them of their faults 
mildly reproving them for their faults, and when sensible of them and troubled for them by speaking comfortably to them, by bringing them again and resetting them in their former place in the church. The Lord restored David to his position, didn't he? He restored that broken bone that was out of joint. He said, the bones that thou hast broken may rejoice. Mr. Gill went on to say that a backsliding believer is not only like a bone out of joint, but his falls are sometimes both to the bruising of him and the breaking of his bones. Many times we don't plan on falling. Sometimes our legs get tangled up. Sometimes we may be running down the soccer field and just fall. Somebody may be just coming down the steps, and the first thing you know, their feet get tangled up and they fall. Or somebody's running down the road. It's just kind of ironic. We had three right in a row. There was a fall. They hadn't planned on the fall, but it was painful. And some of you were still healing, and it takes time. You know, how, can I, how could I fall? Psalms 38, 3, There is no soundness in my flesh because of thine anger, neither is there any rest in my bones. There's no rest in my bones because of my Sin. You ever just feel like something was out of joint? Mm-hmm. Spiritually? Something, something's wrong. Something's, something's just not right, you know. <clears throat> the breaking of the bone is ascribed to God. Not that he's the cause or the occasion of our falling into sin, which breaks the bones, because God can't be tempted with evil, and neither tempteth he any man to sin. When we fall, it's our own fault. Our own fault. But our Lord afflicts us so that we will feel true brokenness of heart. Israel. She had to be restored. But how did he heal her? All brokenness of spirit, which only the Lord can produce, and only the Lord can cure. Our Lord heals the bones that he has broken by pardoning mercy and by making our joints bones fat. The light of the eye rejoices the heart, and a good report maketh the bones fat. Someone else who experienced this was Peter. David, he could teach, and he still teaches us. I've quoted several psalms this morning, probably most from David. He's teaching us. Teaching us what it is for God to restore a backslider. Teaching us what it is for God to heal that by his grace. Peter experienced this. In Luke chapter 22, if you want to turn there, verse 31, the Lord told Simon, he instructed him, Simon, Simon, 
Behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. Or if you said, Danny, Satan hath desired you that he may sift you like wheat. But I've prayed for thee. That thy faith fail not. And I want you to see this. Very similar to what David said. And I'll teach transgressors thy way. And the Lord said, when you're converted, Peter, strengthen thy brethren. And he said unto him, Lord, I'm ready to go with thee both to prison and to death. And he said, I tell thee, Peter, the cock shall not crow this day before thou shalt three times deny that thou knowest me. And Peter just forgot it. Went on. They went to Gethsemane. Our Lord said, pray and watch him and James and John. And they went to sleep. Then they came to get him. Our Lord in the garden. And they took him. And they led him and brought him to the high priest, verse 54 of Luke 22. And Peter followed afar off. He was, in, he was concerned. What, what would they do to him? And when, he had, <clears throat> when they had kindled a fire in the midst of the hall and they were set down because it was probably cold, Peter sat down among them, among the enemies of God. Peter's doing that. Yep, that's what he's doing. <clears throat> he's warming himself by the very same fire. And he not only stands there, he sits with them. But a certain maid, not her name's not mentioned, but a certain maid beheld him as he sat by the fire and earnestly looked upon him and said, that man was also with him. Who sent the maid to point it out? This is, this is part of the wounding that must take place. <clears throat> and he did not say, woman, I, I know him not. And after a little while, another saw him and said, thou art also of them. And Peter said, man, I am not. And only about an hour later, after another confidently affirmed saying of a truth, this fellow also with him, for he's a Galilean. And Peter said, man, I know not what thou sayest. In the other gospels, it said he began to curse and to swear. You mean he would admit he would say that three times, not just once, not just twice, three times, denied that he even knew our Lord. Why? He's afraid for himself. That's why. It's a miracle, it's a miracle they didn't grab Peter and throw him into prison. You know the only reason they didn't? The only reason they couldn't lay a hand on Peter. Because the Lord said, if you've come for me, you've got to let these go. That's the only reason. But where did you find Peter? I know not what thou sayest. And immediately while he yet spake, the cock crew, and the Lord, you want to see the healing? And the Lord turned and looked upon Peter, 
And Peter remembered the word of the Lord. How he had said unto him, Before the cock crows, thou shalt deny me three times. And Peter went out. And he wept bitterly. Peter's conscience was wounded. It's like a bone out of joint. He, he's, out, he's out of place. He, they, he's, not, <clears throat> he's not of these sea people. He's pretending to be. It's humbling to think what we would do if God left us just for a few moments. The Lord told him, and before the night was over, he did it. And then when he did it, he never even thought about it. It never even bothered him to the Lord just turned with a look of mercy and grace, and it broke his heart. And it had to happen. The Lord's going to teach Peter. I can see Peter said, he, one place he said, Lord, everybody else may leave you, but, but not me. Everybody else down at the church may sin, but not me. <clears throat> Who can imagine how painful that must have been for Peter? But Christ our Lord, he wounds and he heals. Over in John's Gospel, chapter 21, <clears throat> when our Lord was speaking to Peter, you know, he said, Peter, do you love me? Well, if the Lord asks you that this question this morning, do you love me? Do you love me? And Peter said, Lord, you know all things. He ain't so proud now. He said, Lord, you, you know all things. He said, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? And <clears throat> Excuse me. He was grieved because the Lord said unto him the third time, Lovest thou me? And he said, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. And Jesus said unto him, Well, feed my sheep. But our Lord said, Peter, when you are converted, <clears throat> strengthen thy brethren. You know who wrote first and second Peter? Peter did. Now, we know he wrote from the inspiration. He wrote by inspiration of God. But he, Peter wrote it. And Peter could not only write by inspiration, he wrote from experience. If you would turn to 1 Peter, I'll show you a few of these. <clears throat> this is being written from a man who's been restored The wound has healed. But I can show you on my leg. There's not much of a scar, but I can still show you a scar. And Jeff, I'd say you could probably got a pretty good scar. The scar, to me, it's like on that thumb. It's, it's a reminder to me. I can feel it. There's a callus there. It's reminding me of what I did. And I was stupid in doing it. That's just, that's just plain. I, I knew better. I couldn't believe I did it when I did it. I'm going, <laughs> but the scar's there. And Pete, you know, the Lord heals, but even in physical, there's the scars to remind us, to remind us. And Peter, but, but what I want you to see is the Lord used these things. 
And when he wrote 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11, Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims. That's who we are. We are strangers and pilgrims in this world. Abstain from fleshy lust, which war against the soul. Did he know anything about that? He sure did. Strengthen you, brethren. Abstain from these things. They what? They war against our souls. <clears throat> then chapter two, verse first Peter, chapter two, verse twenty-four. Who his own self bear our sins and his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sins should live unto righteousness. By whose stripes you were healed. So how are you healed? By his stripes. We are healed. For ye were as sheep going astray, but now are you returned unto the shepherd and bishop of your soul. You imagine dealing with that. Well, I denied him. He's, he's done with me now. Remember when he told him, he said, you go tell the disciples. I'm, I'll meet them down there at Galilee. And he said, no, wait a minute. Before you go, you, t- you, be, you be sure you tell Peter. Boy, that's good news to Peter. Now, First Peter 5, verse 6. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Satan hath desired to have you, Peter, that he may sift you like wheat. He's saying we have an adversary, the devil, who walks about as a roaring lion just seeking whom he may devour, whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. But the God of all grace who hath called us into his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that you have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. And all those things happen, and all those things happened on purpose and on time, after you suffered a while. He suffered a while, David did, and we all do. We suffer. We suffer in our minds because of our sins. There's no getting away from it. But he said, after you suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. And it does. And it did, Peter. And Peter here, God uses him to write from example, and he's strengthening the brethren. Strengthening. Then in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 13, 
I think it meet or important and necessary as long as I'm in this tabernacle or in this body of flesh to stir you up by putting you in remembrance. I've not told you anything new this morning. And what I've done, I've just reminded us. I stir you up, stir you up by way of remembrance. When I think about Something just, you know, I think almost like a fire's almost going out, and you know, and you has to be stirred up. That's us at times. Let's see where I'm at. To stir you up by way of remembrance, knowing that shortly I must put off this tabernacle, even as our Lord Jesus had shown me. Moreover, I will endeavor that you may be able, after I'm gone, to have these things always in remembrance, he said, don't forget what I'm telling you. Did Peter forget? Yep. Satan's going to want to have you, and he can sift you like wheat, and he forgot it. He said, before the cock crows three times, you'll deny me. You know what we all need to be reminded over and over and over again? He heals the backslider. He loves us freely. Loves us freely. Bring all things. The Holy Spirit brings our th- brings it back to our remembrance. Lord, I remember you saying that. How could I forget? Then 2 Peter 3, verse 17. Yea, therefore, beloved, seeing you know these things, before you know, you know these things, lest you also, being led away with the error of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, to whom be glory both now and forever. Amen. He knew something about falling, David did, and we all do. But you know what? Thank God for his grace. You know how you grow in grace? He, you experience grace. What's grace? He loves you freely. That's grace. <laughs> James 5.20, let him know that he which converteth the sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from death and shall hide a multitude of sin. God will heal our backslidings. It's almost hard to confess it, isn't it? It's almost hard to admit it, but that's us. He will heal our backsliding. Thank goodness he will. And our Lord uses means. He uses his word as like I've tried to show you there from First and Second Peter. But you know something? I thought about, just thought about Thomas. He was not there that first, first day of the week, that first Sunday they gathered together that our Lord was risen from the dead. He was not there. But him not being there affected all the rest of them. And, but the next Sunday he was there. And he told him, he said, you know what he said? Thomas said, I won't believe. 
This is a, a disciple said, I won't believe till I see the prints in his hands. You know what they are? They're still there. He said, you want to see them? You know what that is? He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. He said, you want to see the place in my side? And you know what? They're still there this morning. They're still there this morning. But then when the next Sunday Thomas was there and the Lord revealed himself and he said, Thomas, he didn't rebuke him. He said, Thomas, reach into your hand. And he said, my Lord and my God. We should try to help those who are fallen. But the one who's fallen really feels the pain. You may be the one who have to change the bandage. You may be the one who would have to say, let me, I've got, it's looked like that's getting a little bit infected. I've got to put a little alcohol on that. And it burns like fire. But you know what? That's needful. The Lord knows what we need. Exactly what we need. And then we learn, and we have to learn it over and over and over again. He's the only one that can heal our backsliding. You know, we can't heal anything in the past. We, you know, we can, if we offend somebody, we tell them we're sorry, but we can't actually mend it, only he can. He sends these things to teach us patience. And even when I had to go to the doctor, I said, man, I got to, I got to do this. I can't stand that uh, physical therapy. I had me a walker. You know, and he put them little tennis balls on the end of the walker to keep them from sliding. I wore two sets out just sliding them on the, on the uh, sidewalk. I sit there and I brought, bought me a thing on the internet where I could put my ankle in it and I could take a rope and pull it, and I'd pull it just as hard as I could get it. I said, we're going to straighten this thing out. <laughs> I'm tired of it. It ain't. I remember the first time I laid down in the bed, I couldn't even pick my leg off the bed. I thought I was paralyzed. <laughs> But what I'm saying is I'll never forget that, never. Now, I don't know if I'm putting the other one off. <laughs> COVID came right and done had it, and I'm going I'm to use that as an excuse. <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's better. But the thing is we don't want to have to go through the pain for it. That's it. We, we shrink back from the pain. But whatever the Lord sends our way is for his glory and for our good. We know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Remember them that are in bonds is bound with them, and them that suffer adversity, being yourselves also in the body, we all face sin and adversity. Turn with me to Hebrews 12, and we'll finish. I'll show you this in chapter 12, verse 3. 
You know, someone has to suffer. And our Lord suffered. He suffered to put away your our sin. He said in verse 3, For consider him which endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you be wearied and faint in your minds. When you think, well, no one else ever suffered like this, will you consider him? You've not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin, and you have forgotten the exhortation, which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. That's basically saying he teaches, he instructs, he trains his children. The rest of them, he leaves them alone. If you endure chastening, and you will, God dealeth with you as with sons, for what son is he whom the father chasteneth not? But if you be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then are you bastards and not son. Furthermore, we've had fathers of our flesh which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. Shall we not we rather be in subjection unto the father of spirits and live? We had earthly fathers who corrected us, for they verily did it for a few days. They chastened us after their own pleasure. They just did it so we wouldn't aggravate them. Yeah. You need to just sit down and be quiet for their own pleasure. But why did he do it? Why does, why do, why does God send it? I want to wrap all this. Why, did, why does God send these afflictions? Why does he seal these things? Why does he we, we backslide? He allows us to go our own way. Then he heals us and he restores us. He does it for our profit. That we might be partakers of his holiness. Now, no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous. I didn't like it. We went to surgery, and I know Jeff didn't, and any of y'all. I know you didn't. No one, no one likes pain. We're not out just craving pain. We're not martyrs. But it's grievous. But don't you see this? Nevertheless, afterward, it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. Wherefore, lift up the hands which hang down and the feeble knees and make straight paths for your feet, lest that which is lame be turned out of the way, but rather, but let it rather be healed. And he does. And I'm glad. I hope that was a help.